What's up, everybody? My name's Josh. My name's Aaron. And you're listening to Dunner Discussions. And on the phone, we have Mr. Bob Dodd. Hey, guys. Bob, uh, we've been waiting to get you on the show for forever. Um, We're really excited. And uh, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Oh, man. Um, So uh, I've been a filmmaker for like 35 years. Mm -hmm. Um, I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I have a background in sports broadcasting, so a lot of television. And about uh, 15 years ago, I decided to get into film. And I've made four feature films. Um, I'm a director of photography. Mm -hmm. I dabble with directing uh, and producing as well. That's awesome. That's super interesting. Um, That's one, you know, career we haven't really got on the show is anybody in film. We've done a lot of music. Mm Mm-hmm. So um, tell us, how did you get started in that? Um, well, sometime back in like 1977, I got to catch uh, Star Wars on HBO. Didn't get to see it in the theaters. Yeah. And the movie had this, even though I wasn't even aware of the hype that was behind it, it just had this resounding effect on me. And I decided then I wanted to be a filmmaker. Um, so I was... Uh, in 77, let's see, nine years old. So, uh, forward on, you know, I enjoyed sci-fi and fantasy and started to learn about the film business and um, thought, well, I better go to college or something to learn how to do it. And uh, went to Roger State in Claremore, Oklahoma mm-hmm. and uh, got a degree in broadcasting and started a career in television. I figured... I would uh, transition. There's no film in Oklahoma and uh, it'd be best to get a job where I could. And I thought I'd, you know, also minor in English and become a writer and eventually become a filmmaker. And over the period of time, I ended up just doing more and more sports. I worked for CBS and ESPN and I even worked for the Hornets when they were in Oklahoma city uh, as in-house crew. And uh, as you get older, you get kind of wore out, burnt out on certain aspects of your career and so I thought I'd make a change and transition from live sports and television production to uh, commercials and during the commercials I ended up starting to do some film that's awesome so what was the first film you worked on I was actually an extra um, on Eye of God which was shot up in Skytook Oklahoma part of it it had uh, Martha Flinton and Hal Holbrook and you can actually find the film out about a small town murder and a sheriff oh, wow. who was involved. And uh, <clears throat> I actually drove a car through a drive-thru. Um, I spent most of my time looking at the camera gear, but I think uh, the crew was freaked out that I was looking at the camera gear. <laughs> they didn't realize my interest. And uh, so that was the first uh, film set I was on. And then um, I, uh, I basically started looking on at the time Craigslist and looking for gigs and, and um, that was always a, a place to look for gigs anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, there was a local film being shot and um, kind of got hooked up and they ended up, I couldn't, I couldn't look on the film itself because I had commitments with OSU Cowboy sports doing their men's and women's basketball games. Mm-hmm. But um, I loaned them some of my camera gear and they shot a film uh, primarily on, uh, what we call a fire store back in the day. And uh, then from there, I uh, answered another Craigslist ad. And Craigslist is not, sounds kind of nefarious, but 
um, guy was looking for crew and I showed up at his parents' house and we were doing some camera tests and we ended up talking and then he, he uh, contacts me a couple weeks later and he goes, Hey, uh, you want to be the director of photography on this film? And I'm like, uh, well, yeah, but am I really qualified and all this? And he goes, well, you're the only one that answered the ad and came out <laughs> the whole day. So, There's so, answer, uh, I guess. most qualified was, out of the group. Right. Out of the, uh, the applicant pool. <laughs> and, and then, um, so this is like, uh, uh, 2009 mm-hmm. and, um, he, we were talking and he goes, well, I'm, I'm thinking about buying this thing called a Canon 5D Mark II uh, to shoot the film on. And what do you know about it? And I'm like, well, it seems to be the end thing. It's got the depth of focus you want. It's a cheap camera to get into. And uh, it's got some limitations. But at the time, there was a lot of limitations. Mm-hmm. And so he went ahead and purchased it. And he gave it to me a week before we started. And I learned how to use the camera. And we shot the first feature film in Oklahoma shot on a Canon 5D and um, it was probably the fourth one in the nation but unfortunately it took a long time to post the film Mm -hmm. and when it was released it made it to iTunes but then right now it's off the market and uh, I may end up repackaging it doing some cleanup work on it and trying to get it re-released but yeah so we shot this film and it took 50 days no they weren't full days but we started in May and we ended up in late October finishing. Wow. So the trailer is out there. Yeah. It's called uh, Self Delusions and Other Obstacles and it's a comedy. And uh, but right now it's not on VOD anywhere. So who was who were the actors all local or how did you Yes they were. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was uh, I think he did a, a casting call. And uh, the furthest actor came from uh, around um, Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. I think she lives in Fayetteville. Mm-hmm. And um, we had quite a big cast. And uh, a lot of the crew were local commercial guys who also worked on big features as well. And so um, it was kind of a cool, cool deal. We had a lot of people work on the film. And the director was also the editor. And... Um, yeah, you can go. I think the trailer's on YouTube. You could find it if you wanted to. We'll definitely Self check it out. Self-delusions and other obstacles, yeah. Yeah. I was accidentally in an extra in a film. Um, they were shooting one in Purcell, Oklahoma. I, think, I can't remember the name. I think it was the Turkey Bowl. But um, it was a comedy, too. And they had uh, put up signs everywhere. And I was like, what is going on? And I'm driving. <laughs> so I get out, and I'm, like, looking around, and... There, the camera swings over, and I'm standing by my car, and I'm like, oh, man. And so you can, like, it's only, like, you know, half a second, but you can see me in the movie. And I'm like, oh, man, I wish yeah. I would have wore different clothes or something. Yeah, yeah you always got to kind of be prepared. You never know. Yeah. You just never know. Yeah, there's not a lot of movies being shot around. You know, we live in Paul's Valley, and so... You know, it's not something that we worry about too often, but yeah. <laughs> when we go out of town, I guess, yeah. you never never know what's going <laughs> to happen. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of, surprisingly, there's a lot of productions happening in Oklahoma, but yeah, I haven't heard of any in Paul's Valley. Yeah. It, there's a lot of beautiful places around here, but um, I know that Tulsa is kind of a hotbed as far as that goes. I remember the first film I can remember up there was, 
the outsiders is that mm -hmm. that the first one i can mm -hmm. think of yeah yeah i think uh 19 and i can't remember when it, when it came out but i know they're doing an anniversary and um the house the uh the brothers and i can't remember their names right now but the house is actually a museum for the outsiders yeah and uh a famous uh musician i guess has bought it and restored it and he's yeah. got a, a museum next to the house but um I've I've driven by there. The Curtis brothers. That's yeah, who they were. Yeah. The, the Curtis brothers. Yeah, we uh are one of our guests our first guest of the season actually just went there and got pictures in the house and with the owner. Yeah. Eating so, cake and with a beer. Yeah. Yeah. In the same place. Yeah. <laughs> as in the movie. So that was pretty neat. Yeah. It, it's it is pretty neat. I actually live in Owasso, which is north of um Tulsa. Yeah. And uh, there was a Daisy Queen that they used, and they, they, it's been since tore down. The site where it's at is actually a come and go now, but it was featured in the film. And of course, we have a drive-in theater that was featured in the film. Um, if you if you're familiar with the film, you can actually find a lot of locations where the film was shot. Yeah, so there pretty was, neat. I think Twister was film. Where was that at? There was a place near us over the Lake Road. Yeah. Uh, Longmire Lake Road. Yeah, the one of the scenes was that the one where the cow flies. Yeah, up? yeah. So we have a little bit of a tie to yeah. <laughs> film history, and then yeah. I we're actually from Elmore, and that's where you know Footloose was based on. Oh, really? Yeah, mm -hmm. and my grandpa's in the 25th anniversary DVD like extras. He was the superintendent at the time when it all went down. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, are you guys familiar with UHF? Yes, sir. Uh, Weird yeah. Al made that movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, oddly enough, the I think the general manager that's in Spatula City, mm -hmm. that little commercial, yeah. he was actually my speech teacher, wow. uh, Eldon Hallam, that's and awesome. he taught speech at Rogers State College. That's so and, cool. Uh, so. You know, right now, currently, the, the, the hype that's going on is they're shooting Flowers of the New Moon up in Tahuska, mm -hmm. and they're they're actually uh, revamping a, one of the streets in Tahuska to, to look like 1920s mm -hmm. Oklahoma. They're putting dirt in place, and they're actually rebuilding a um, a train depot. They're laying the railroad tracks right now, wow. setting things up. So it's going to really start cranking here shortly. I think they're probably in a month's worth of pre-production time to get everything set up. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Um, yeah. Isn't Keanu in that movie? He is. And Leonardo DiCaprio yeah. and, um, Matt Damon, one I of the guys. Uh, I don't know. I know it's changed around. They had, uh, one of the guys from, uh, breaking bad's going to be in it now. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. I saw, um, we were in Oklahoma city, me and my wife, when, Everybody was posting pictures of Keanu Reeves, like walking down the you know street and stuff. And I'm just like, man, that was only three blocks away from where we were, and didn't get to meet him or see him. Or no. Well, there's so much buzz right now that people are driving up there trying to catch some stars. You yeah, know? it's a big deal for Oklahoma. I mean, you would think as as many talented people are, that have come from here, you would think that there would be more of a kickback as far as the film industry goes. Mm -hmm. Uh. Well, the rebate program that's in the state, that's kind of where it's helping to bring a lot of that in, but um, it doesn't affect us indie filmmakers that are within the state. You have yeah. to have a certain level of budget before you can even get into the rebate program. 
So not to be disparaging, but it doesn't help us local filmmakers a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. I've always been super impressed with like the independent circuit and like people that have to think out of the box and necessarily, you know, you hear about these, these productions that are classics now, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, them having to like tie stuff together, tie bed sheets over lamps just to make sure the lighting's right and stuff. And it just, it blows your mind that it was such a low bit budget film. Right. Right. There's a, there's a long history in Tulsa of low budget films. Um, there was a fellow that I worked with on the comedy. He was the producer of it. Um, Mark Mason, he did uh, Prize Fighter and uh, Party Crashers, which mm-hmm. is a slasher film. And yeah. uh, he passed away a couple years ago. Um, but him and I were working. I've got several of his scripts that someday I hope to be able to finish some of his, his movies that he was wanting to get done. Yeah. But uh, there's some history. There's a lot of films that have been shot in Tulsa. Um and I know right now there's a there's a big push in Oklahoma City. They've got a new studio being built in the I guess they Cox Event Center, and then they've got um, I'll throw a shout out there to uh, Green Pasture Green Pasture Studio, which is a, a school that was purchased and they're converting it into classrooms for uh, teaching and, and production offices and the gymnasiums and being turned into a soundstage. That's um, really cool. I think it's. It's, it's still in the very infancy, but I think we're going to start seeing a progression of getting more and more features here and building a uh, production base of technicians to be able to support those films instead of having to bring crew from outside of the state. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's really important that, you know, new tech has kind of stepped in. Um, you know, just even the iPhones, people are starting to be able to shoot, you know, decent films on, on an iPhone and I think that's really, really helping people that would never have the opportunity to make, you know, a story and kind of come to fruition. Right. Right. Um, Definitely it's a great tool. Um, But, of course, the the, the key thing about filmmaking is the story is the king. You've got to have a really good story. And then uh, the way cameras have democratized everything, everybody can go out and get a good camera right now. Yeah. So if you're if you're a filmmaker and you're trying to get into filmmaking, first of all, write a really good story, get some other friends to read it, work on it, and then when you get ready to go shoot it, pick your pick your device, whether it's an iPhone or a Canon camera, or if you want to go bigger level, you can actually buy red cameras now for you know seven thousand dollars, eight thousand dollars, and and get into the more professional units, but. Uh, partner up with a good guy that knows how to do audio because um, moving pictures are great, but without sound, um, you know, got to have great sound. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's, it's definitely something that I've always been interested in, but I don't know that I could pull off. I, I've had friends kind of here and there that have done it and some have been really good at it. Um, What was the, we talked about your first, your first film, but what was your second one? Uh, the second one was called The Brick House, and it's actually on Amazon Prime. Um, so the interesting thing about this one, it was another Craigslist ad uh, deal. I responded to it, and the filmmakers were basically looking for a director of photography to help them shoot the film. 
So um, the film is a crime noir of the Three Little Pigs. Oh, wow. And and um, the trailer's out there on YouTube. It's also, like I said, on Amazon Prime. Go ahead and watch it. If, if, you're, if you've got Prime membership, you can get it for free. Um, the actors are all human actors, but they're in pig prosthetic makeup. And so it's, it's a very trippy kind of film. People get freaked out a little bit by it. Um, when the trailer was released, they released it uh, before the film was finished. And it got, it went viral, had over 200,000 views within two days. Wow. I was going to say, um, I think I vaguely remember that. Uh, yeah, hopefully you guys have seen it. But um, unfortunately, when you have that grade of social media presence, if you can't deliver the mm-hmm. product shortly after, then you lose that audience. So mm-hmm. it took a while for the, uh, the filmmakers to finish it. Um, we shot it, uh, very low budget, basically seven weekends up in Avan, Oklahoma at Candy Creek Ranch. And if you're on Facebook and you like those kind of sites that are um, forgotten Oklahoma where people go and they take pictures of old towns and mm-hmm. abandoned farms, You'll, you can probably find some pictures of Candy Creek Ranch. Um, so we shot it there, and uh, it was a it was a blast. The actors were fun. We had wolves in makeup as well, wow. <laughs> and um, so that was the second film. That's awesome. Do you think doing uh, independent films like that and kind of a smaller budget film is a lot more freeing than doing like a big budget film, or do you think you know? It's um, kind of arresting it, creatively. It's, it's kind of a mix because you're limited. So you have to be really creative with, with, with what you're given. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's aggravating the sense that you wish you could do more. Yeah. And you're always cutting corners and trimming things that you wish you could put in the film, you know, like special effects. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is in a somewhat, it depends really on the story. You know, if, if you're just doing a, a focus on um, just dialogue and interactions between a couple characters and there's not a whole lot going on, then, you know, you can do it on a low budget. But mm-hmm. if you're trying to do something with effects and car crashes and gunshots and all that, yeah. then you really got to think, can I, okay, how do I do this and be able to do it so we're not having to spend a bunch of money doing it. Mm-hmm. So on those kind of, there's a lot of scripts that I've been given that I'm like, man, I'd love to shoot that, but it's going to be, a $500,000 budget. Yeah. And so you kind of just sit on it because who's got $500,000 to put on the film. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's definitely something that would be hard to get into at that price point. Holy mm-hmm. cow. Right. The cool thing about independent films though, is for a low investment, you can actually get a good gain on it. So like one of my favorite films of all time is winner's Bone. Uh, have you guys ever seen that one? I don't believe I have. So it, it's basically Jennifer Lawrence's first film, and it's set in southern Missouri, and it follows the daughter of a man who disappeared, and she's trying to track him down so she can basically get the paperwork in order to get his insurance policy from his death policy, because otherwise you're going to get booted off their property. Mm-hmm. And so it was shot with a red camera, and they used a lot of local actors in Southern Missouri. And 
they say the budget was a, you know, I can't remember what the, the figures were, but it was it was probably shot for under $500,000 is my guess. Mm-hmm. They probably spent a little bit more money on marketing and things like that after the fact. But it ended up becoming a, a darling, and it was nominated, I think, for an Oscar. And I definitely, I think it was, it won some awards at Sundance, but it became an 18, I think $18 million grossing film for such a low impact. Cool. or a uh, low investment. So that's the cool thing about indie film is that, oh, do I really want to go compete with, you know, the tent pole movies where they're doing $200, $200 million budgets? Well, no, but you can compete at a level um, as an independent filmmaker and find an audience and actually see success out of that. So it's almost kind of like one of those um, hero stories where can the little guy win? Yeah, you, little guy could win in the film industry. Yeah. So, has, has any of your films ever received any awards, or have you even do you even mess with that? Like, I don't know how that process even goes. Well, when you, when you when you get the film finished, the normal process is to pick some film festivals and use to submit it. And I have won best cinematography awards for the Brick House, and. Um, but it costs money to enter film festivals. And um, so I've only entered film festivals in Oklahoma. Um, But if you can get into outside of the state and get some accolades is what they call them, the laurels that go on the front of the the DVD cover. Mm -hmm. um, It's good press. So, um, but we never really had a budget to send films off uh, outside of Oklahoma. The Brick House did win a Miami Film Fest Award, and I think it was featured in a film festival in Australia. But, um, you know, with with the way social media is nowadays, I don't know if film festivals have the same kind of cloud of just getting it out there right. and getting the audience to um, go purchase their view on a VOD platform. But, um, you know, if you have the budget and you like film festivals and I think it's a really good, um, networking tool to go to film festivals. So I recommend it, but pick and choose your film festivals carefully. That's how I look at it because, you know, unless unless you're rich and you can just keep, um, submitting to multiple film festivals, it's it's a cost thing. Yeah. I think, I think the, the guy that I was talking about earlier, I think he had had won a couple of awards, but he said that it was awesome and it was a great experience, but the stress of it was a little bit, you know, worrisome. Like he didn't know if he would do it again the next year because it was so stressful of like just the whole process of it, mm-hmm. the nerves. Uh, well, I, I wasn't nervous about any of it. I did the one that we went to was um, the Trail Dance Film Festival in Duncan. Mm-hmm. And it was fun. Went, took the drive down there, got a hotel room, and met a bunch of people. And, that would you know, kind of kind of winning an award is, you know, I'm not worried about if I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so winning one is kind of always a surprise. Yeah. Seems like the experience would be something that that would be worth the, the whole process. Mm-hmm. Like getting to know it people is. and everything. Mm-hmm. Now, I'd love to go to, you know, an international film festival and, or even Sundance. 
Yeah. But uh, not at that level at this moment. Yeah. Do you have a film that you consider your baby? Um, no, because at this point I've been doing other people's films and when COVID I was working on a couple projects to get them going and then COVID hit and so everything kind of froze. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I'm kind of waiting for when vaccinations reach a certain level and COVID's not so much a risk anymore to get back into film production. Mm-hmm. I want to uh, transition myself to directing and then that'll become more my film than it is working on someone else's film. Yeah. So um, I'm kind of waiting to give birth to the new baby that I'm going to try to push out there in the world. So speaking of directing, um, you know, like with the Snyder cut coming out and everything and it being like a completely different beast than what was released in theaters. Does that kind of give hope to people that are looking to get into directing and stuff of maybe the industry kind of letting them kind of be more free and not pushing a certain directive down their throat? I don't know. I mean, you know, these are established directors and I think they're taking the story and doing their cut. And I think it's opening up a new market for mm-hmm. something that's already been released. Yeah. So is it a rehash? Sort of. Is it a fresh perspective? Maybe. I think the way Hollywood was is that you had to follow a certain studio standard. Yeah. And then the new wave of directors came through and studios basically let them have full carte blanche control of the film production. Then budget started skyrocketing and then studios started shutting that back down. So where are we at right now? It's kind of hard to tell. Um, I think money's really tight. I think trying to figure out how to recoup their investment has been difficult. The paradigm has shifted. Uh, fact that there's the studios are trying to scramble. Where do they put their content? I mean, mm-hmm. right now they're selling it to Disney. They're selling it to uh, Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not getting it out in the theaters, and that's traditionally where the money was made. Yeah. Do you think so? Uh, or go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Do you think this sets a precedence of like, uh, you know, they release a movie and, you know, it doesn't do very well. Well, then, you know, so long later, they're going to re-release it again. Or do you think that's going to be a thing as of, you know, now? I think what they're probably going to end up doing is limited release in theaters, um, VIP experiences, and then... Um, I think they're dabbling around with early release VOD to where you buy a household ticket. You may spend 150 bucks and you can have all your friends and family come to your house mm-hmm. and watch it almost like a pay-per-view. Yeah. Um, I know they're scrambling because it, you know, the trouble is now you can watch tons of content for a subscription fee, yeah. $20 a month, $7 a month, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Well, how does that equate? Because these subscriptions, I mean, we really don't know the accounting on this. How much are these DOD platforms really making? And how much can a studio or an independent filmmaker broker on a deal? They're kind of, I think they're kind of just waiting to be given offers because 
I, I really don't know that, you know, that's, that's kind of one of those, where's the industry at? It's kind of hard to tell. Yeah. I think everybody's doing the same thing. They're scrambling to figure out how much money can we make? And is it profitable to be making films? And then what do we need to budget our films at to be able to make it profitable? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's not anywhere near the way it used to be. I mean, this is a whole new ball game. I mean, Mm-hmm. COVID's kind of changed the viewpoint of the customer. I don't know anyone that's willing to go you know, blow a ton of money on going and watching a whole bunch of movies anymore. Right. Which I mean, Wonder Woman 1984, um, four years ago, that would have went to the theaters. Yeah. yeah. It totally skipped the theaters and went to HBO. Yeah. So did HBO subscriptions go up because Wonder Woman 1984 was going to be premiered on HBO? Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know where we could go from here as far as you know, sometimes when the customer finds out they have a lot of power, it's really hard to kind of get them back. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see what what gimmicks come out and like you said kind of like the you know, purchasing the the ticket to view it at home with your family, like how that's going to play out. Right. I think special features, mm-hmm. extended editions, um the same things that drove DVD sales, Blu-ray mm-hmm. sales. I think you're going to start seeing that in VOD platforms. So, yeah. and in a way, it's almost almost bad to probably try to get into filmmaking right now. Yeah, but in some ways, because of the cameras, you can get into it so cheap. Mm-hmm. So now you've got to be able to pay for name actors to be able to draw. Um. I don't know. It's a strange business. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm riding it through to see what happens. Yeah. I got too much invested in it. Yeah. And I don't believe that uh, the movie theater experience will ever completely die out. Like I would rather, you know, go to the movie theater and get the experience of watching it on the big screen and, you know, the buttered popcorn and the crowd and everything. I think that's all part of the experience. And um, do you see it that way? Or do you think, you know, eventually it'll go on to the VOD to where, you know, everyone watches at, at home in their pajamas, you know? Well, I think we've been watching movies from home in our pajamas for a while now, and we've been forced to do it definitely with COVID. Mm-hmm. So we may see where people are just sick of doing that and they want to go to the theaters and they want to have the big screen experience and they want to see tent poles big blockbusters and have everybody laughing and screaming and yelling. Yeah. And that's what the film experience used to be like. Yeah. So I think, I don't think theaters are going to lose out in the long run, mm-hmm. as long as something can be done to make it safe for the, the viewer. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, the ones that adapt are the ones that'll still be around. We, mm-hmm. you know, watching the Warren close was kind of heartbreaking for me. Cause that was, my family's favorite place to go. Yeah. Right. It may be that smaller venues become the, the norm and um, not so much the big places. I, I know the last couple of times I went to see films, the, the uh, theater was not full. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so it, it's kind of disconcerting to think that how much, how many seats do they have to sell to make it a viable business? Yeah. And maybe should they shrink it and, but of course now you don't want to pack a bunch of people in a small space. Yeah. So the big theaters, you know, it's kind of like, wow, this is kind of, 
maybe these big theaters is where it's at, and they'll have to do spread out seating. Yeah, we've we've seen we have a uh, the Royal Twin Theater here in Paul's Valley, and they've been here forever. And uh, before statehood, yeah. And so it's really cool to see them. They've kind of adapted. They've been um, opening up on the weekend and selling popcorn and their candy and everything, you know, just mm-hmm. trying to keep their money flow coming in a little bit. So, Right. I think drive throughs have seen a resurgence because oh, yeah. you're in your car. It's safe. Mm-hmm. Um, they're following COVID rules when you go up to the concession stands. So. Yeah. Where my parents live, um, they, they were the first house in this little, now it's kind of like a housing addition, but they were the first house and right up on top of the hill was the Elmore drive through and, uh, our drive in. And, um, you know, it was, it was, I think it was back in the sixties, maybe that's before my time. Yeah. But, um, I, I was kind of interested to see how many theaters did some kind of outdoor yeah, thing, drive in experience. Yeah. Just to try to, you know, keep that money coming in since they couldn't have people inside. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, I know they just opened up for the season, the Admiral Twin. That's the drive-in where the, the uh, Outsiders was shot. Yeah. And uh, I guess they're doing well. Uh, I haven't been to a movie probably way before COVID. Yeah. I can't even tell you the last time I've seen in the theater. So that's not a good thing, is it? Uh, well, you know, with Disney Plus, I mean... I know a lot of people that just went to watch the Pixar movies that would come out. Like that was like the only time they went to the theater. Mm-hmm. And now with, right. you know, them being able to, especially cause you know, I have three kids and I can understand sometimes as a parent, you're not wanting to wrangle all of them, get them in there and keep them quiet the whole time. And so to watch it from the house is so much easier. Mm. True. Well that and the uh, Pixar movies, they usually make you tear up, so it's better to tear up at the house right, than cry it, on yeah, your couch. Yeah, <laughs> than in a group full of people. Yeah. Well, you know, like Soul, it didn't even hit the theaters. Yeah. And I think the next Pixar movie is going to be released directly through Disney Plus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Black Widow so, is supposed to be released, I think, in June. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a new world. Yeah. Um, and you know, one of the side things I do. Uh, is also concerts, and I was working for one of the casinos in Tulsa doing all their in-house shows, and basically I hadn't worked since last March wow. doing any live events, and um, I'm not going to go back, um, not right now. Yeah. So, Do you think this time off with COVID, like, has it helped you like get back <clears throat> into writing or anything like along those lines? Well... No, not for me. I actually have a day job. Um, one thing that I learned a long time ago is that um, video production and filmmaking is kind of a side job. Yeah. Um, it's hard to stay hooked up because you're really basically a freelancer. Yeah. So, so I've had a side job, and I have a full-time employment. So any, any sort of film production I do basically on the side, and it, it's more than a hobby, but it's still kind of a hobby. Yeah. I know that sounds kind of weird, but... Yeah. No, I mean... It- um, it's completely understandable. Yeah. This is kind of our pet project with the podcast, and both of us have got jobs. So, yeah, and um, you know, we kind of got started by, you know, we I was one of the unfortunate people that they went down to a skeleton crew. Only the people that had been there for more than ten years were were there. 
Mm -hmm. Um, everybody else that had been hired the last couple of years, they let go. And then, um, they're just now starting to kind of get back where they were Mm -hmm. before. So they're starting to hire again, but, um, not being able to work, you know, I was kind of bored at home. I had enough money to kind of live off of. So it was Josh, when Josh hit me up, it was kind of one of those, those moments where you're like, I ain't got anything else to do. So <laughs> let's, it, now's the best time to start. Cause if we didn't start then, I don't think we ever would have done it. Mm-mm. Right. And, and it kind of just went from there. Um, we didn't know what we were doing starting out. We just bought a couple cheap mics and we're kind yeah. of working out of our backpack. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we've upgraded this season. Um, so. Are, are you having fun? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's the key. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that's one of the things with film is I do it a lot of times just because it's fun. Mm-hmm. It's a challenge. I get to meet new people. Every day something different. Yeah. So um, I'm looking forward to getting back in the swing of it. Right now, I live vicariously through some of my friends. They've been on film sets. Um, they're making music videos. They're shooting commercials, and yeah. so and I get a lot of my income just on that side of it from rentals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've offset not working myself by just renting my gear out and helping other people yeah, with their production. So yeah. Which which movie have you had the most fun working on? Oh, you know, I don't think it's been so much fun on the movies Mm -hmm. because it is a lot of work on the independent level, Mm -hmm. but when doing commercials, it's a lot of fun. Um, we've shot some short films that were a lot of fun. I, and whenever I get a chance, I try to ask them to the short film Mm -hmm. and one of the ones uh, we did a year or so ago was a thing called Bandits and basically some little comedy short, a Western. And I got to play Prospector Pete. And um, if you, I'm trying to think how you would find it. I think if you just looked up Bandits and I think it may be, you look up Matlock London, who's the director of it, I think you can probably find the short. Okay, that's exciting. It's on YouTube, I believe. Prospector Pete. (laughs) Yep. I had no lines, but I gave him a kind of a, a definite look. <laughs> I have to watch it. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely check it out. And, and if if you don't mind, we if we do find stuff like that, we like to post it on our Facebook. Oh, by all means, by yeah. all means. And actually, if if, um, if there's any filmmakers that end up listening, and they have any further questions, they're they're welcome to reach out to me. Just send me a a Facebook message or whatever platform I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. You can probably find me. Yeah. So one of, one of my things I try to do as a filmmaker is build a community. Yeah. So I work with student filmmakers and I work on nonprofit projects that are for, um, um, oh, what am I trying to say? Public service. Mm-hmm. You know, we, I work with a couple of filmmakers on child trafficking uh, we made a, a short video. Um, so I, I just try to help out wherever possible. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, yeah, that's kind of something that's worrisome that it's not more, you know, known that that stuff's still going on. I guess some people in America, we kind of have these little posh lives so we don't have to worry about things and, and in our own life. And so we forget that there's stuff out there going on that 
we thought probably, you know, ended a long time ago. Mm -hmm. Right. I think it's important for a lot of filmmakers to be able to tell those stories. Um, it just brings focus to him. Yeah. I, I've got a friend that he does documentaries and he's done one on a uh, race relations issue that was here in Tulsa um, where a fellow was um, killed by the police, the local sheriff's department. Yeah. And he wasn't armed. And there's a civil lawsuit. So he's been documenting the whole course of this incident and um, putting it together. And hopefully he'll be able to find a platform that'll, that'll show the documentary. I know yeah. he's been in negotiations with PDS and other places. So, but the story is continuing. Yeah. You know, race relations in Oklahoma and the United States, it's, it's still something that occurs. Yeah. You think with um, Tulsa being, being Tulsa and the, history of it yeah the the black street you know our black wall street massacre and all that you know you'd think it would have gotten better by now it's 2021 but it's really you know stalled out seems like right and, and it, but you do notice that you use the word massacre yeah you know it used to be race riot for the longest time and now it's actually has been given a change of status to massacre mm -hmm. so there it is it is helping telling these stories does help no. Yeah, we're we have uh, talked. I've reached out to a lady who is a historian, and um, she she specializes in in that um, that time period. But um, she's also done the history of Winniewood, which is you know was predominantly a black town for a long time. And um, so, I think it'd be interesting to kind of talk to her about that and just find out even more stuff that we didn't know. Mm -hmm. And I don't know why more people don't know about it. I mean, growing up in Oklahoma, I didn't hear about it till after college. Mm -hmm. Well, there was oppression. There yeah. was just let's let's push it underneath. Uh, a lot of Americans are not aware that there was three red summers. Yeah. Um, Tulsa, Oklahoma is not the only place that there was was basically massacre. St. Louis felt one. There was places in Florida and Texas. Um, it was just a bad time mm -hmm. and uh a lot of the stories are there unfortunately most of the newspapers were white and yeah. so they just told it on a bias toward toward history to not uh really know the truth yeah and you know what's sad is when when you don't know something or you 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 fail to recognize something you're doomed to repeat it pretty much and mm -hmm. i feel like Sometimes I know that people are embarrassed about things, but if you don't teach your children about your mistakes, then they're liable to do the same thing or not learn that lesson that you, you know, that you failed on. Right. So, I mean, are you familiar with what Flowers of the New Moon is about? Um, no, I haven't really looked into it that much, to be honest. Mm -mm. So it's, it's based on a book, but it's not the first book. It's the first book that, managed to get a little bit of Hollywood to, to, you know, pay attention to it. Yeah. There's actually other books on the subject, but basically there was a lot of murders that were going on for lease, uh, land and oil lease rights. So the, the tribe, the Osage were given a lot of head rights to, um, the land mm -hmm. in those counties where they ended up finding oil. And in doing so, uh, there was a, there was a big shuffle to try to, 
take that land away from the Osage. And at the time, the Osage were one of the richest people on the planet due to that oil and gas exploration. Mm -hmm. And so the murders that were occurring, um, none none of the locals were really wanting to investigate it. You know, it's kind of one of those, let's not talk about it. People are making money. Um, We're just taking it away from these silly backwoods, you know, savages. Mm -hmm. kind of how so it really ended up that the feds got involved and that was the foundation of the first start of the FBI oh wow and so it's it's all factual stuff yeah Um, I don't know if the book is factual I haven't read the book but the circumstances in that time period these are real stories yeah so if you could pick a story like from that era or a documentary that you'd want to make, uh, what would you base it on? Or, Well, actually we're working on our own version of the Osage murders, but from a different perspective. Um, but you know, that's a good question. I, I have been doing research on some of the outlaws that were known in Oklahoma. Um, I know they're getting ready to do a movie on Bass Reeves, which was a um, a lawman, a, mm. a black lawman that wasn't out of Fort Smith, but he ended up capturing a lot of criminals. Yeah. Bell um, Star is another one of those. Uh, I was recently researching her murder and how it's been unsolved. Um, and I'm not aware of any films that were done to actually represent what may be the facts as they were known for her murder. Yeah. But I don't, you know, I don't know. Uh, there hasn't been a project that has just really fallen into my lap that um, I've wanted to put a lot of effort into and commit to. Right. But um, I don't know. There's a lot of stories out there. There's uh, Oklahoma's Got a long, long history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, like, you can say what you want to about Netflix. I know that there's certain people that don't like it because it doesn't give enough kickback to the, the movies and the producers and, you know, and the filmmakers and the actors and all that. Um, but uh, without Netflix, I don't think the the docu- you know documentaries like i don't think that they would be nearly as prevalent as they have been like it's it's been in pop culture almost you know lately like mm-hmm. with tiger king which is 7 miles down the road from us and and right. stuff like that which you never want to be known for something like that but it kind of brings at least it's bringing money to the economy i guess yeah. it is and i think it's helping a lot of filmmakers that now they have a place to do it now yeah. Unfortunately, Amazon pulled all their um, documentaries. Yeah, why is that? Do you know? And I don't. Um, I suspect they're probably going to open up a new channel. Yeah, and they're probably curating all those into a new platform. Um, but I'm, that's just my guess. Um, it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah, there's so much stuff that is probably in the works that we'll see over the next year. Yeah. New platforms, new way of presenting material. Yeah. So I, th- I think it's going to be think- like that. Sorry. You got me thinking about the whole historical thing. What it- period of time would I want to do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
We are fascinated with history. Mm-hmm. I would love to shoot a Western. I mean, oh, yeah. it's on my wish list. Um, my grandpa was a, I mean, that's the only reason why he even got dish was to get the Western channel. <laughs> and so, you know, he got, he got pissed off at, at dish network because they wouldn't sell him it all a cart, you know, um, with the news, he was just like, all I want is the Western and the local <laughs> channels. And they're like, sir, we, we don't do that. And so he was pissed that he had to pay like, you know, a hundred bucks a month just to watch Westerns. But, um, so growing up, they were always on. And some of my favorite modern movies are, you know, remakes of some of the older ones or, um, true grit. Yeah. Or, well, I haven't actually seen that one. Wow. Yeah. Um, but like the, the ones that are made that are in the same vein as kind of like those older ones. Is there a market for Westerns though? I think so. I mean, the hateful eight was sort of Western, I guess. Yeah. But I mean, that's also Quentin Tarantino, but, um, I, I think, you know, our generation, it kind of, makes us reminisce about our grandparents' generation, you know, watching those movies with them, you know. Right. So I believe there might be a small market. I don't know if it's super big. I don't know if it's just my nostalgia, you know. Uh, I'm drawing a blank. What's the uh, Denzel Washington? um, One, I know what you're talking about. He has a mustache in that movie. I I can't think of it. Now I'm going to kick myself. (laughs) Um, I can see it too, but I can't remember. I think a lot of the Westerns ended up becoming serials. Yeah. yeah, yeah. My one of my favorite shows is Justified, mm-hmm. um, and that's pretty pretty much like a modern day western. And then um, there's another one where he's the uh, cowboy. Yeah, did Django Unchained? No, <laughs> I don't know why I always draw a blank when I get on the mic. But um, yeah, it's he is a sheriff of a town in Montana. And it's basically like a Western, but it's set in modern day. And mm-hmm. I love that show. Longmire. Longmire. Yeah. 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 It's based on a, a series of books. Yeah. Yeah. And, and shows like that, I don't know what it is about it, but just like when you have that right mix of, you know, old school Western, like feel, mm-hmm. um, with modern problems and a little bit of wit every once in a while thrown in there, or like a tongue and cheek kind of, yeah, the, the little bit of asshole, um, <laughs> coming through town, doing it a little bit old school. And, you know, there's always that kickback cause it's like, Oh, you're doing it the wrong way that we don't go in guns blazing anymore kind yeah. of thing. I don't know. It just works for me. Well, have you guys been watching any of the Yellowstone, Kevin Costner series? I haven't. I just got HBO max. Like, for the Snyder Cut, and I've been binge watching um, Boardwalk Empire. Oh yeah, but uh, yeah, another good period piece. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Yellowstone is on Paramount, and uh, they'll do um, you know weekend marathons. So if you can catch it, I, I recommend it. It's, it's it's really good series. Yeah, yeah. Um, the local boutiques here are still you know they're selling. A lot of Yellowstone merch. Mm-hmm. But the uh, Magnificent eventually. Seven was the one I was thinking of. Yeah. Oh, it, right, right. Yeah. That was a... Chris Pratt. Yeah. yeah. Well, there was quite a few people in it. Yeah. It, but yeah, Chris Pratt being the main one. I like that movie because it's one of the older flicks where not everybody makes it out. Mm-hmm. And... um 
it kind of, if you haven't seen the older one, you know, the original, it's kind of, um, it's a weird, you know, like you, you know, okay, not all these guys are going to make it out, but then when it happens, you're like, holy crap, you know, <laughs> like this, this is not a movie where the hero just walks away, you know, <laughs> wound free. Well, there was that period of time in the late sixties and early seventies where, um, Westerns got really gritty. Yeah. And uh, it wasn't about the hero. It was a lot of times about the anti-hero yeah. and uh, reality. You know, and even uh, Butch and Sundance, they end up, they don't have a good outcome in the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe Westerns might see a resurgence, but it's kind of hard to tell. Yeah, the, the audiences are so fickle. Yeah. I mean, I can't. I, I honestly cannot believe that Marvel has been as successful as they have, as long as they have. Well, I mean, you're talking about comics that from 1965 on that pretty much every American boy read. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So demographically, that's your spenders right now. It's my age group. And yeah. We 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 read the Hulk and Spider Man and the Fantastic Four and. Um, then we jumped over to DC and we did Justice League and yeah. Superman and Batman and then Batman in the at a certain point he was no longer campy he became gritty he was yeah. shoving shotgun barrels down <laughs> her throat yeah. so we're we're seeing what happened in the comics occur in the film yeah I, um, I'm here for it I absolutely. just I just can't believe that Marvel hasn't really had a uh, like definition flop yet yeah it's it's pretty incredible that they've been doing this since 2007. Mm-hmm. I think with the first Iron Man came out somewhere around there, I think. And yet there's not, I mean, there's plot holes, but it's not like there, there's not movies. That, yeah. Movies that just tank outright. Well, how can you tank one of those movies? Yeah. Other than Howard the duck. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I love Howard the duck. I love, I love that they put him in some of the scenes like of the, uh, collector, uh, as like a bonus, like Easter egg in the background. That was so funny to me. <laughs> Which opens up potentially other Guardians of the Galaxy where Howard the Duck may become more forefront. Yeah. Wouldn't that be something know. if he had a redemption? And <laughs> it, it Just one of the characters that was handled so weirdly yeah. um, come back and be a star. Yeah. As long as they don't do that. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, what I've always wondered in you know, I haven't read comics in a long time, so I know there's been a lot of uh, new titles that have come out and, you know, series that have been turned into movies. But when I was a kid, a lot of the war comics were really, really popular. So Sergeant Rock, and I've always wondered why there hasn't been any pickup by the studios to do some of those comics from from the early 70s that were related to war. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other than uh, Captain America. Yeah. I've really been, like, I was surprised when they did Guardians of the Galaxy because, like, as a comic book nerd, you know, someone that has kind of deep dived in, I I didn't, um, I knew kind of who they were, but I really hadn't read a whole lot of them. Mm -hmm. But I knew that the average person wouldn't know who the crap they were, and so I was so surprised when they announced it. And then when they came out and it was just flawless almost, it was like, wow. I can't believe they took someone that no one knew really. Like, I mean, you know, the lay lay person, average person, and and knocked it out of the park like that. Now it's some people's favorite Marvel movie. Yeah. I like it better than I think all the rest. Yeah, 
It's got a different feel I mean, to it. Well, the characters are great. Mm-hmm. Michael Rooker, he's awesome. Yeah. You know? Um, here's an interesting thing that I've always wondered, too. So, with Star Wars being the way it is, mm-hmm. why has there not been a Marvel series of Star Wars movies? There's, what, 180-something comics that were done from the very first uh, release of episodes one, two, and three, which were basically um, three episodes cut of Star Wars. Yeah. The New Hope. There's been a whole series of comic books, and it doesn't seem like anybody wants to touch those. Yeah. I'm not sure either. Yeah. Um, I can't believe, you know, they haven't gone back and done, like, the Old Republic stuff. Um, I know they've always talked about it, and I know that it may be in development. I just haven't heard, but that's one of the the thickest fan bases I've ever seen. Like they're everybody I've ever talked to when they're talking about the extended universe. So Star Wars are always like, Oh yeah, the old Republic, da, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I just recently talked to my production team about wanting to do a Star Wars fan film. Uh, I've been a Star Wars fan. Well, like I, that's what started me in the film. And I'm like, you know, maybe it's time with the technology that we should do a Star Wars film, yeah. a fan film. That'd be bad. Oh so my, I asked my brother, who's a big time fan as well as I am. I said, and he plays the online games. And I'm like, what era should we do? Old Republic, New Republic, Clone Wars? Where do you think it should fit in in the storyline if we do the fan film? So we're we're having those discussions right now. Um, one of the underutilized like characters that was thrown to the side, which was really depressing, was was um. I think his name. I can't remember his actual name, but I think it was a Star Killer. It was um. It was the the Force Unleashed um, video games. It was mm-hmm. about an apprentice to Darth Vader, and he pulled down like a whole, almost a whole planet. Um, he was so strong, and it was just like he would just go through and just mow down everybody. Mm-hmm. And you know that storyline was so fresh because. You know, usually you have a good guy that's just as strong, but it's kind of like a Thanos type thing where, you know, it would be cool to see a whole bunch of different people having to get together and maybe making some CD alliances just to like take this guy out. Yeah. I have to look into that one. Yeah, yeah, it was it was definitely. I think he ends up going good, but um, it, just to play with that kind of like format where you have somebody that's like a world beater you know and then you've had you know because you have i mean the the whole cool thing about the original series was that it was a band of people that were all misfits you know from random places coming together to kind of like beat this gigantic force well it would be the same thing but just one person that was just op you know overpowered and shit yeah well i know i'd have to partner with somebody that knew the whole uh, canon better than I do Yeah, to develop a story. Yeah. Star Wars is some of the most, like, you talk about people that are very, very set on mm-hmm. the, the specific things they know, and if you mess with it at all, we'll come for you. <laughs> that that fan base is very strict. Yeah. But, you know, it is still open to interpretation. Yeah. I was watching some TikTok videos the other day, and this guy was talking about the Tesseract and Tony Stark and that apparently that the whole power unit that he wears in his suit is 
one of the Infinity Stones that his dad had somehow synthesized. Oh, wow. Have you ever heard that one? No. So that you know that just opens up all new plot lines. Yeah. So, and I haven't seen the last one movie, so I, I know bad things happen in it, but I haven't seen it yet. I don't know why I haven't seen it. What's wrong with me? <laughs> That's how I am um, with Spider-Man. Um, it's Far From Home, the second one. I believe so. For a long time, I didn't watch it because it was like the last Marvel movie that came out for a while. And I was like, man, if I watch it, I've watched everything and then I won't have anything new. And then this was before Disney Plus and everything. And so then it became impossible to find without having to buy (laughs) it, like, you know, for full price. And so I was like, oh, man, I screwed up because I thought it would be on Disney Plus and it's still not on Disney Plus because it's owned by Sony still or partnership with Sony. So, and maybe that's why I haven't seen it. Is, is the movie I'm talking about a Sony production? I don't know. Is that the Infinity War? See, I, I'm trying to put it all together. There's so many dang movies it, now. It should be on Disney Plus. Yeah, Endgame. Yeah, yeah, Endgame. Endgame. Okay. Yeah. That was one of the we were talking about the one of the last movies I watched in theater, mm-hmm. um, and I watched it with my kids, and that was a movie where the whole crowd was weeping. Um, well. And you got goosebumps and, you know. Yeah. When something amazing happens, like, you know, everybody was standing up clapping. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I hadn't seen that in a movie in a long time. Mm-hmm. Audience gets empowered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, it's good when that happens. Like when you can get someone to get up out of their seat in a crowd full of people, you know, just by something that's on the screen, it's powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I think the last movie that, gave me that chill was Braveheart. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I, I remember, I distinctly remember watching it. And it's a three and a half hour movie or whatever it is. It's stupidly long. Mm-hmm. And I came out of the theater and it was dark. And I was like, how long was this movie? <laughs> and then I was like, it doesn't matter. I just need to find somebody British and kill them right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's funny, we've, I was watching this show uh, on YouTube, actually, and it was talking about how um, after the Going Clear came out, you know, about the uh, Scientology, like, documentary and about how it's been misleading people, and it kind of incited a little bit of rage. Well, a lady watched it in theaters and then drove over to one of the uh, Scientology buildings and ran through the glass doors with the car and like was doing donuts in the lobby, Golly. like knocking stuff over and she got arrested. <laughs> and, you know, she just said that it had, you know, she was so outraged at these people that they had shown her a side of them that, you know, she didn't know about. And she said it was just a crime and yeah. she couldn't help herself. So when you leave the theater feeling that emotional, yeah. I think that's a great that, film. That's a scary thing though, because like, you don't know who's going to be in the audience, you yeah. know, and yeah. you don't know what, you know, what your thing's going to influence them to do. That, that's a scary, scary thing. Yeah. Isn't that what um, people were getting sick on The Exorcist when it came out? They couldn't oh, yeah. stand it. They'd have to leave. And then I think a paranormal, there was so many people freaking out that they had to leave the theater. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Almost causing mass hysteria. I watched... Um, signs mel gibson and joaquin phoenix and um i sat in the very back because i was like i think i was like 16 15 14 and my mom had dropped me off so yeah i had to be like 14 13 and um 
six foot five. Yeah, well, basically. And um, I was sitting in the very back, and there was there was no seats. It was just seats, like four seats in the middle. There was no seats on either side of me, and then there was the doors. Well, um, right when it starts getting scary, when you know you start seeing aliens, uh, the two seats like beside me <laughs> flip up, and then the two seats on the other side of my friend flip up, and then the doors close outside like and and i'm just like sitting there going like do you see this cody and he's like uh-huh and i was like terrified and you don't want to leave because then you're a wuss so we sat there but we were walking out and there's this pillar like right by the front door and cody's talking to me you know kind of walking backwards and turns and that pillar is like probably a to, foot yeah. up from his face and i've never seen him almost jump out of his skin like that but you know, it's just terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> Got him nerves. Yeah, yeah. It's funny how when you're watching a movie, you're like, oh, sometimes you're like, oh, this is fine. I'm not scared of this. And then that mm-hmm. night, you know, when you're young and a tree moves outside, you're like, what the heck is that outside? And what's that shadow? <laughs> that's what every film. That's you know, that's the the best outcome. You want it to impact you. Yeah. When you walk out of the theater, you want it to sit with you for a while you get lost i know it. that when i watched uh saving private ryan i was uh it was a packed theater and i'm at the very back row because there was no seats and i'm watching the movie and i hear this talking behind me and i was getting ticked off because i was like you people need to shut up so i can watch this film right mm-hmm. i turned around to look to give them a look and i forgot that i was on the very back row so it was just a wall and it turned out it was a surround sound, and it was other soldiers talking in the background. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's hilarious. And I was like, oh, that is good. That is really good. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's, it's funny when you watch a movie where it's pouring rain, and then it's sunny outside, but once you, like, turn the movie off, you're like, oh, man, it's nasty outside. You go look, and you're like, wow. It's beautiful 60-degree weather. Totally and- changes. <laughs> like, you get lost in it. Yeah. So what do you guys think is, is, is movies the future or is, is episodics the future? Like the boys and, um, umbrella Academy. Would you rather see long series or would you rather see a movie? I would, I mean, like I said with me, I'd rather go to the movies and get, you know, the popcorn and the, you know, the experience of it. I, I don't think there's ever going to be any replacing that. So. I think there's a time and place for both. Um, I like how Marvel's doing it right now when they need to tell more of an in-depth story and they need to introduce new characters they're doing like episodic you know they're doing like one one season and that's it yeah and then they're in and they're putting those characters into bigger movies and and setting them up for you know movies down the road I kind of like the way they're doing that um it if it goes past a certain season like with The Walking Dead, I, I've, after Negan, you know, came in and all that, I, I stopped watching yeah. because it was on forever oh, yeah. and it just, well, it lost my attention. Season three, it just, it was wash, rinse, repeat. Yeah. And, well, it changed after that, a uh, while after that, but it, yeah, it went like that for a little bit. But, um, I don't know. I'm interested to see like YouTube and stuff because it seems like, you know, that I know some filmmakers have moved over to like the YouTube prime mm-hmm. format or not prime, but whatever they call it, red or whatever it is. Yeah. And they're yeah. doing documentaries on there and, and that Vsauce, uh, Michael Stevens. Yeah. 
And so, I don't know. I think they people are going to adapt. I'm just... And also, it's like these... All all the streaming services, there's there's gonna it's gonna get to the point where it's like too many, yeah, over and then one you know one or maybe four companies are gonna start buying out those smaller ones and like absorbing them. I think until it's you know four or five, kind of like everything else is yeah. go back to the cable company kind of situation or satellite company. Well, that's kind of what Apple's doing. Apple's got very limited uh, original content, but what they're doing is creating other networks. Yeah. You know, I was like, I was excited to kind of get Apple. Got a new iPhone. Obviously, I get it. I got the uh, the system for free. Yeah. And there's not there's not been much content that's been original. Yeah. I did start watching. Uh, what was that? Oh, some comedy series. I'm, I've been trying to find things that normally I wouldn't watch. Yeah. And and give and give it a shot just because it. I need to broaden my my view of what is marketable and. Yeah what I can maybe potentially shoot as a filmmaker so I can get it out in front of an audience and have the audience want to ingest it. Mm-hmm. So much, so many people just, I'm going to make a film, I'm going to make a story, but it's never going to go anywhere because they don't look at what are people interested in. Yeah. So that's one that's thing. My thought. Yeah. Uh, that's one thing I do with my movies and stuff is, you know, if I'm craving to watch a movie, you know, that I've never seen before, I'll shoot a text to my brother or my mom or whatever. And because they have different styles than I do and different likes and everything. And I'll watch whatever they recommend. He never asked me. Well, I mean, you and I have a lot of the same, you know, (laughs) well, according to your last post about (laughs) the winter soldier and I'm a, I'm a captain America fan. My one and only tattoo is a captain America tattoo. So, Anyone that's not Steve Rogers isn't Captain America. But uh, I like, think that's you're, why. You're fanboying it for sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, but, like, that's how I got a hold of the Queen's Gambit is my brother recommended that. And, you know, that's nothing I would have watched on my yeah, own. Yeah. But, you know. So what did you like about Queen's Gambit? I don't know. It was just, it was different than what I expected, you know. I didn't expect it to be about chess or anything like that, so. It was just, it was neat. Did you go into it blindly? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think you would have talked yourself out of it had you read the description. Yeah. I really do. Because, I mean, on paper, it kind of sounds boring. Yeah. See, I didn't, I didn't see it a, a, as a show about chess. I thought of, about a young girl that overcomes uh, circumstances in her life to rise up. Yeah. And yeah. Become, yeah, and being overlooked because she was a female yeah. was huge. Yep. Yeah. And an orphan. Yeah. 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 And, and then she, she used people to her, to her own advantage, though, and kind of played the system the way it was playing her. Yeah. So that was kind of cool to see, you know. And I, I enjoyed the cinematography on it. Yeah. The, the, the shaping when she was playing the games on the ceiling. That was that was very creative. Yeah. So it, it was eye candy. It was story candy. You know, and that's what we call in the business when we, we see something so visual that we love it and we just want more of it. It's eye candy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. I I'm I'm a huge like if they do a period piece really good. Mm-hmm. I after I finish something, I'm almost sad because I'm like it. Okay, so um, there's there's a show called I think it's called The Last Kingdom, and it's about 
um, England um, back when they were fighting the Danes. Mm-hmm. And I've watched all four seasons or whatever it is, and they're, you know, it takes about a year for them to come out with the next one. Yeah. And so it's like, after I watched that, there's almost like this vacuum of like, I want something similar, but everything I watch is not quite on the yeah. same level as that, so it's almost disappointing. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's one of those those things where you're trying to find something similar, but, you know, to, to your dis- disappointment, there's not... There's not a lot of chess, you know, in, in that period or or similar things. Right. At least that I'm aware of. So here's a question for you. Do you think that the model of releasing the entire season is a good model, or should they go back to releasing episodes one at a time every week? Oh, that's a toughie. I think it's it depends on how captivating it is. Um there's some shows that I've enjoyed more since I watched them. You know, I binged them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, like, I like, you know, WandaVision for us, my family was kind of like our, it was almost like how it used to be back in the day where we would, like, okay, Friday WandaVision comes out. You yeah, know, exactly. make sure we don't plan anything tonight. Uh, we all want to see it when it comes out because the next day it's going to be spoiled, mm-hmm. you know, on, on right. any social media you get on. So, yeah. And we kind of, you know, my kids got excited. They would count down the days. It was so weird. It was like, you know, when we were younger and this stuff was on cable. TGIF, you know. Yeah. <laughs> See, I think it's probably better if they would go back to releasing things because it, then it causes a social interaction. Because yeah. before COVID, people would have walking dead parties. Yeah. You know, everybody dressed up. They'd go over to somebody's house. They'd cook weird stuff and <laughs> watch The Walking Dead. Now people don't do that, so they end up watching The Talking Dead to get their fix on it. Yeah, yeah. And I know with COVID, I, you're not in the office complex anymore, and you you don't discuss the movies or the shows mm-hmm. you watched, or did you catch that last night's episode or whatever? Yeah. So I think somewhat the industry is shooting themselves in the foot by releasing everything and letting you marathon watch it. Yeah, absolutely. It's funny how Disney after all these years is still kind of setting the precedent for everyone else. You know, they're setting the mold. Um, I think them going back to releasing stuff the way they are. And I think it's going to catch on. I think you're going to see it a little bit more at least. Yeah. And they're also kind of, so go ahead. Well, so when I got Disney, obviously what I had to do was catch up on the Mandalorian. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So would it be, something the industry should try to do as a new thing is that if you just subscribed that you're not allowed to watch everything involved. I don't think you, so. Uh, I think, you know, once you subscribe, you should be allowed everything on the format. Like, um, there was, I was looking into different ways to get HBO max to watch the Snyder cut. And mm-hmm. if you get, you know, it through, you know, AT&T, then certain things are blocked out or, you know, I think once you get it, you should be allowed to all of it, you know, like the weekly episodes, yeah. but I mean, everything on the HBO max, you know, yeah. App on the platform. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up been watching game of Thrones, uh, until the last season. And then I went ahead and got HBO max cause I couldn't stand waiting. <laughs> 
So it ended up I had to wait for whatever episode was going to come out. Even that was that last season was a little disappointing. I I got frustrated because I felt I felt extreme like missing out on that. Um, I bought the first season on Blu-ray or DVD, I guess. I think it was before the Blu-ray came out. Mm-hmm. I watched it because I was a little behind, and then I just wasn't I wasn't captivated enough to to buy the second season. Now, mm-hmm. granted, back then they were like fifty bucks for yeah. the whole yeah. se- series. But, and then I, you know, I hear all my friends talking about it, like, oh my God, Game of Thrones, yeah. you know, and it was just one of those things that I felt like I missed <laughs> the boat on. And now it's like, there's so much of it to watch. So yeah. I don't know. I love being that guy though, because like, um, I'll watch something after it's been aired for, you know, three, four seasons or even after it's over, like Boardwalk Empire, because like, um, Breaking Bad, I was kind of interested at first, but I was like, Man, if this only lasts one season, yeah, you know, so I don't know. I'm one of those people. I, I, I wait a little bit and let it catch on. You were um, still sore because of Firefly, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Something great that yeah. never got taken, you yeah. know, for a second season yeah. or a third or whatever. Whenever it quit, yeah. Um, back to uh, Game of Thrones. You were talking about it that um, as a you know person in the film industry. Uh, what did you think about that coffee cup in that episode? Did that would that have ate you up for that to be something that you accidentally let slip, or do you think it's no, so funny? Because, you know, it, we're all able to make mistakes. Yeah, and you got to kind of wonder. Here, here's the guys editing this thing. Did they purposely leave that in there just as an Easter egg to cause some buzz? Yeah. I kind of think they did. Yeah. But then you, there's a lot of things that get left in films that are obviously, oh, well, we can't fix this uh, stormtrooper bouncing his head into this yeah. overhead bulkhead, <laughs> you know, because we, so why, why reshoot it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's kind of in the lore it, now. Mm-hmm. It is the lore. So no, it, it wouldn't, it wouldn't have bug, bugged me at all. The Mandalorian, the jean guy, the guy was wearing jeans and a regular shirt or whatever yeah. in the background. They added, they've, if you try to go back and look at it now, it's gone. They've yeah. edited it out. But they made an action figure of him. Oh, really? So, yeah, you can see just half the guy with, like, the leg and the arm. That's hilarious. <laughs> I think it's fun. I, you know, for, for fans, it just gives them something to chew on at the, you know, over breakfast. Yeah. Well, and at that point, I, when somebody's watching your your creation that intently to like find every little detail out about it. They can, it's almost a compliment. Even if you do kind of forget something, the fact that they caught it means they've watched it at least, you know, one or two times. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think in game of Thrones, there was some couple other things. I think there was a pickup truck in the back of one scene. And, um, but you know, when you're in the film business, you're like, Oh, well, you know, that stuff happens. You can't get away with it. In fact, I was watching um, a Chris Christopherson movie. Uh, it's on the uh, shoot. There's a, a song, a trucker song that ended up turning into a movie. And I'm trying to remember the name of it. But basically, they have a film crew, a news crew, sorry, a news crew in the back of a pickup that's doing an interview with this guy that's driving the truck. Mm-hmm. And, but you can obviously tell that it's not a news crew. It's the film crew doubling as the news crew because 
in, in that time, they didn't have these giant 35 millimeter cameras in the back of pickup. Yeah. <laughs> they were shooting stuff with 16 millimeter. And it's kind of funny to go, wow, they thought that they thought that would sell. <laughs> nobody would say a word about it. And apparently maybe nobody did. Yeah. Um, it's like, uh, there's been some movies where they put the camera guy, a uh, handheld guy right in the middle of a crowd. And you can, if you're watching carefully, you can see the guy, mm-hmm. but you know, you're watching a film. You're not really looking for the technical aspects of things. You're just enjoying the, for the moment what the film's doing. And I think game of Thrones was that way a lot. I yeah. mean, if you really wanted to pick through it, you would see things. I think it's funny, like, um, films like, uh, I just lost my, my, the name of it, but uh, Black Dynamite, it's a it's a parody of the black exploitation films. And, you know, a lot of those movies were low budget. And there's a scene where he's talking and, like, he looks up at the boom mic and you can see the boom mic come into the scene and like almost touch him <laughs> on the head. And he's just like, Oh, get out of here. And it was so funny. Cause that's such a, that's the thing that happened, you know? Uh, Eddie Murphy's Dolomite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That have you guys, I mean, I assume you've seen that. That's actually a really funny film. Yeah. yeah. I've watched the, the, um, Oh, what's, what's the guy's name that that's the actor he's pretending to be. Um, I don't know. Well, they call me Dolomite, and it was a bunch of Dolomite movies. Yeah, but yeah. Rudy Ray Moore. Yeah, Rudy Ray Moore. Yeah, yep. that that's kind of the parody of Black Dynamite. Is he's kind of taking a little bit of Rudy Ray Moore and some other ones, and and making you know like a parody of them. But I haven't seen that. I uh, the my name my name is Dolomite. I've actually it's on my list of things to watch. Actually, when it was a preview, I sent it to my friend because in college we loved those kind of movies mm-hmm. and i still haven't watched it and i forgot about it i'm glad you said that i'm gonna have to go watch it now here's a neat little bit of pop culture so coming to america mm-hmm. the original movie um has that the band uh sexual chocolate yeah and so they do the sequel and they have sexual chocolate well i met one of the band members of sexual chocolate the guitar player the other night that's cool. Which is weird. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh, yeah, that's real cool. So, so yeah, Troy, uh, Troy, no, I can't remember his name now. Something Ruffin, I can't remember his name. <laughs> but uh, he actually owns a, a, a club bar here in Tulsa. Who would have uh, known? Yeah. Who, who would have known? So random. Yeah. I remember growing up, like, hearing all kinds of country songs about Tulsa, um, you know, you don't you don't hear about it nearly as much as you used to. It seems yeah. like I think a lot of people like Tulsa was a big thing growing up. Yeah, it it was. I um, I'm married. My wife actually, I think she was when they ah oh, shoot. There's a, a a club that was called the Tulsa City Limits, which was a country bar basically, and Brooks and Dunn shot one of their music videos there, and she was telling me about it. I I can't remember. She said she was there when they were shooting the music video or that just because she went to that club all the time. Yeah. But there was a lot of things that happened in Tulsa that music wise was, uh, the church studio with, um, um, dang it, Russell, help me out here. <laughs> Famous musician. Yeah, yeah. I'm having a, I'm having one of those moments when you can't even drop a name. This happens to me every time we get <laughs> well, on the mics. Yeah. Every time. Le- Leon Russell. Yeah. 
famous musician, Leon Russell. So, but yeah, that's Tulsa. Tulsa got a lot of history. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's it does, and you know, it's surprising. Like in today's culture, like it's not as prevalent as it was back in our grandparents. Well, even in my dad and mom, like, I mean, I remember people talking about Tulsa all the time growing up. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, it's the Oklahoma City Thunders kind of replaced that a little. Mm -hmm. But mostly, you know, people talk about Oklahoma, they think that we're all just pastures, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and they think it's still cowboys and Indians, a lot of people do. Yeah. Well, we have some... um, some listener questions that people sent in. Um, we ask every guest or we ask our listeners for every guest. We kind of tell them just a short description of who they are. And then they send us questions. Would you like to answer some of those real quick? Sure. If money was no option, what camera would you use? Uh, I'd probably do what everybody else does and buy an, an Ari, the latest one, mm-hmm. um, an Alexa. Maybe an Alexa Mini. Okay, second. But sorry, well, I'll go tell ahead. you real quick. I, what what I do currently own though is I do have a Red Dragon, and I just uh, purchased a, a Red Komodo. Oh yeah, so, I think I saw yeah. that on your Facebook. Yeah, I, I try to as a filmmaker stay current with the technology. Otherwise, you fall behind behind too fast. Yeah. So it's just money, right? Yeah. <laughs> I can have a Harley or I can have a camera. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I've seen the, I guess you had shown like kind of you unboxing it on her, you know, like the different stages of it in box. That was pretty cool actually. Yeah. I'm not one of those. I'm going to videotape me unboxing something. <laughs> yeah. something I, but I, I do like taking pictures because a lot of my friends are like, dude, I wish I could be there when you're unboxing it. And I'm like, Okay, I'm not going to do a video, but I'll take some pictures. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've actually, because, you know, a lot of our whole kind of mantras, nostalgia and stuff like that, we have we hit up some uh, some antique shops and some, got went to some thrift stores and got some really cool VHS tapes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And so I sat down to do a video, and I think I was on maybe 35 minutes I had gone was like showing off all the stuff and talking to my camera and then I went and looked and it was dead and <laughs> it didn't get any of it. <laughs> so that was my first and last try at doing an unboxing video. That, that was just the single rehearsal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 30 minutes of <laughs> planning out where, you know, talking and all the banter and awkwardness I tried to get over so maybe it's a good thing it never saw a lot of day yeah. but um, next time he's got it down now yeah <laughs> so second question is uh, what's the thing you're most proud of um I think my kids as rotten as they are I <laughs> They're good people. Yeah. Um, you know, you try to raise citizens that would contribute to society in a positive manner. And like I said, even though they're rotten, um, they're good kids. So I think that's the single most proud thing is that I 
didn't fail fully as a parent. Yeah. I, I was listening to the speaker the other day to kind of, you know, touch on that same point. Um, he was talking about, you know, if you want to change the world and you want to make the world a better place, the first thing you need to do is to teach your kids uh, to live the way that you would want people to be in the world. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's very powerful because, you know, they are really your only true legacy. I mean, because they're the only ones that can, you know, take over after you're gone. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, plus, if you raise them up to be right, maybe they'll take care of you in your old age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll be lucky if I see mine after, you know, after I reach a certain age, they're all turds. <laughs> we're, we're probably going to have to move him into my cellar, yeah, to be honest. Yeah. My wife's well, a nurse, that's so why, hopefully. That's why I had three of them, because I figured I'd have a one and three <laughs> shot of getting one yeah. of them right. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, the third question. Uh, what's your favorite movie of all time? I, I think you... Pro- pretty well already answered that earlier but well so that's kind of an interesting thing because there's different ways to look at a favorite movie Mm -hmm. the most the movie that I could watch the most that I have watched the most is Armageddon Mm -hmm. so you can almost say it's from a viewing perspective it's my favorite movie because I could be flipping channels and I find Armageddon on some channel I'm going to sit there and watch it yeah Yeah. okay I don't. It's it's a it's a silly movie, yeah. but I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, a favorite movie historically that I love to watch, and I've watched it so much, that I'm kind of burned out on it. Is Tombstone. Yeah, that's one of the so, most quotable movies of all time. To yeah. be honest. Yep, best lines, and then if you dig into it, you know, you find out Kurt Russell actually pretty much directed the film, and mm-hmm. then you get like, wow, I'm really super impressed that he was in it and he directed it and made it happen. Um, from a technical perspective, there's a lot of films out there that are just beautiful. Yeah. So it's really hard to pin just one, but I love Blade Runner. I love, um, Lawrence of Arabia. I love the Sorcerer, which is a, a William Friedkin film, um, about, um, basically some criminals in South America that the only way they can get their passports and go back to the United States is to run this uh, a job for this government to move um, uh, what do they call that stuff that's the liquid that they use for explosives come on help me out here kerosene no um, when dynamite gets old it turns into this stuff nitroglycerin yeah so they have to go through this forest and nitroglycerin you got to keep it from exploding and the whole point is so they can um blow up a wellhead that some rebels did. And if you ever get a chance, watch The Sorcerer from William Friedkin. I love that film. So it's probably one of my all-time favorite films from a story perspective and what was overcome to shoot that film. And, of course, Apocalypse Now is a classic. Yes. Um, And then who cannot be a fan of the first Indiana Jones? Absolutely. You know, Star Wars... Um, was my favorite film for the longest, longest time. And then I realized how flawed it was. Mm-hmm. And it didn't, it kind of fell from grace. So yeah. I hope that answered the question. Yeah, definitely. It really, it really depends on a mood and a genre and mm-hmm. what, what's the end goal. Yeah, yeah. That's like asking me kind of like, you know, what's your favorite song? 
was like, oh, man, how long do you have? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, next question is, do you believe in ghosts? I would want to say no, but I can't say that they don't exist. So I'm going to have to say, yeah, they probably do. Okay. And I tell you, watching TikTok videos, and I know TikTok is what it is, but yeah. man, there's a lot of paranormal stuff on there, and it makes yeah. you go, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, have you watched the Hotel Cecil documentary? I have not yet. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, well, there's a guy that lives across the street from it, and he his TikTok is just him like videoing the weird stuff that happens at night over there. And it is creepy because they have the building shut down right now. Yeah. But, um, like, lights will come on and off and, you know, oh, curtains gosh. will just move open and close. Yeah. And he's just like, for, you know, to live across from something that historically scary is yeah. crazy. <laughs> so here's an odd thing. I, I've never been a fan of horror films. Mm-hmm. I mean, I appreciate them. Alien was awesome. Um, the Shining is awesome. But I've never, as a filmmaker, really wanted to, to do a horror film. And so one of the scripts I, I have that I do want to do now is, is going to be a, about vampires, and I'm yeah. hoping to get a budget on it. Awesome. And so when my daughter was really young, I used to scare her all the time with these little ghost movies that I would find on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Now she is a horror fan. Oh, no. <laughs> and, she makes, and she's made me take her to the movies where I had to sit in and watch, like, grudge-style movies or <laughs> Annabelle movies. And it's really funny because I'm like, I hate these films. <laughs> and then I'm sitting here and I'm watching it, and they got their eyes covered up, and I'm having to watch it to tell them what's happening because <laughs> they're so scared to death. Yeah. So you broke that girl. Um, <laughs> I, I, I made the mistake. Remember the uh, Michael Jackson ghost videos? Yeah. Like they're they're walking through it through Neverland Ranch and yeah. the CNN special, and you see the ghost. And then, obviously, they, they do the monster face at the end. Well, she's, I, I'm, and I probably shouldn't tell this story because people are going to go, you're just mean. <laughs> <laughs> but she's like three and a half, four, I don't remember. And we're watching the video. And the ghost pops up. And she looks at me. And she's dead quiet for like three, four seconds. <laughs> and then she just screams her head off. <laughs> and she jumps up and she's running around the house like a little mad child. Oh, she can't God. stop running. And uh, she remembers that. And she goes, Dad, you're, you were so mean to me. <laughs> I'm like, but you loved it. That's so she funny. Goes, yeah. So anyway. Yeah, my 13-year-old my recently decided that she's old enough and she's been wanting to watch scary movies. So, um, you know, I was contemplating like all week, what what movie <laughs> should we start with? Well, I was like, well, you know, the, the movie Mama is – it's scary enough, and it's got a good good enough story and um, a couple jump scares, but the main, you know, scary part of it is the atmosphere. Yeah. And so I was like, that's a pretty good one. <laughs> well, then she hasn't, she still hasn't asked to watch another scary movie. So <laughs> maybe, maybe I didn't want a little too freaky for her, I guess. Or maybe she got her well, fill. Well, my, my daughter can't get enough of them now. So. <laughs> yeah. If you could work with anyone dead or alive, who would it be and why? Dead or alive and who would it be and why? Mm-hmm. Damn. Well, I could have used that question ahead of time to think on it. <laughs> um, I 
you know, that's, 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 that's a bit tough. Yeah. I mean, obviously somebody would say, well, you probably want to work with Kubrick or Hitchcock, but I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a big film fan and, and following other people's work so yeah. much. Mm-hmm. But I guess if I could work with anybody, I think I'd probably want to watch, uh, work with Roger Deakins, who's a cinematographer. Um, he's famous for doing um, Christopher Nolan's 1917 mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and uh, Quantum Solace and those kind of movies. Um, he's a hands-on camera operator. Um, and then he does some of these amazing setups. So probably Roger Deakins, who's still alive. Maybe someday I can work with him. Yeah, that would be awesome. We'll send him this episode. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm sure he he listens. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, we only have one last question, and we ask all of our guests. um, What is your favorite breakfast food? My favorite breakfast food. It's probably just a good old fashioned sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. There you uh, go. Yeah. I mean, you can eat it while you're driving. <laughs> you can eat it while you're reading a book. You can eat it while you're watching a movie. Nice. Can't do that yeah. with pancakes. <laughs> Can't do that with pancakes. <laughs> it's got your cheese product, and it's got your meat product, and it's got your eggs. Yeah. Balanced breakfast. What else breakfast. did you want? Yeah. <laughs> Balanced breakfast. Yeah, breakfast of champions for sure, right? <laughs> That's what I had for morning for breakfast this morning. Yeah. See, there you go. That's that's why you were able to be on top of things and answer <laughs> everything quickly. <laughs> well definitely. We definitely appreciate you being on. It's been an honor. Absolutely. Um, we'll have to get you on again. Pick your brain. Anytime. Uh we can talk about any subject you want. Well, I definitely would like to have a part two, so whenever we get closer to that day I'll I'll give you a message. Okay. But uh either. One last thing before you go, is there anything you would like to plug or you know, give a shout out or where can people find you? Um, people can find me. I don't have a website, so but I can be found just if you do a Google search. If you're interested in following me, I have a, a Twitter account, I have an Instagram account, I'm on IMDB, I'm on Facebook, um you can find me under Max Pro Media, which is my little production company. I try to keep things somewhat up to date with the projects I'm working on. Um, but if you look up Bob Dodd, most of the time it'll point you to Bobby Dodd, the Atlanta coach. Yeah. But you'll be able to find me out there if you just do Bob Dodd filmmaking mm-hmm. and under Max Pro Media. So. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Well, you have a great rest you of your week. You guys are great. Thanks. Thanks. Okay. We appreciate it. That's a compliment. All righty. All right. Bye. It was a pleasure. Okay. So that was Bob Dodd, guys. Holy Um, cow. I was super nervous because I'm not going to lie. Like, what do you ask somebody that that in a a film industry, I mean, in an industry that you don't really, you know, even know where to begin because there's so much. It's so vast. Yeah. So I felt like we you know, only scratch the surface. I know we say that all the time, but with him, I felt like we could have talked probably for two more hours and we wouldn't have got to know everything that he's into and all the stuff that he's done. Absolutely. So Josh, where can people reach us? You can find us Mondays at seven central on the Facebook. Yeah. Mondays. 
<laughs> you can find us here on Spotify and iTunes. You can find us over on YouTube, usually Tuesdays. Yeah. I'll pull the live and I'll put it on there. And yeah, then, and then uh, we have a Patreon. We have Definitely a, check that out. We have a Discord. Check that out. Yeah, Diner Discussions Pod on Discord. Uh, we're on every social media platform, including Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can always just drop in our DMs. We'll be happy to you know answer questions or talk to you or whatever. And mm-hmm. if you're listening from a different country, just let us know so we can absolutely have a, have a conversation. You know, I'd love to know how you found us. So. Thanks for listening, guys. We love you so much, and we wouldn't be here without you. We appreciate each and every last one of you. And just remember, you're always welcome in Dinerland. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. We hope that after you listen to an episode of Diner Discussions that you get the warm fuzzies. But if you're looking for something a little spookier, something a little more scary, then check out our friends at Ohio Hauntings and Legends Podcasts. Uh, You can check them out at OhioHL.com and on Facebook. Hello, and welcome to the Ohio Hauntings and Legends podcast. We will be taking you to places you have never dreamt of going. Hundreds, if not thousands, of haunted and abandoned locations. We will visit with the paranormal from your nightmares and try to understand the unexplained. Ohio alone has 88 counties within our state, and virtually each one of those counties has a story to tell. Ohio's history is bloodstained throughout its history. We will be covering more than just Ohio. We will cover the state you live in, the country. Trust me. There are thrills, chills, and we are upping the fright factor with each new stop we make. We will be traveling the world, the globe, looking for the strange, the mysterious, and the frightening. Mostly, we will find the unexplainable. Many of these episodes are genuine. Others are legend or hearsay. Believe those that you choose or believe in none. It is your choice. Just get comfortable, sit back, dim the lights, and listen.